Hey everyone, thank you so much for allowing me to join you again this week. Have you ever wanted to ask God in the middle of a trying situation, hey God, what's going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me now? Well, if those thoughts have ever crossed your mind, man, do I have a, a great encouraging message for you today. It's straight out of an Old Testament book of prophecy, a book known, as, known by the author's name. His name was Habakkuk, and he was a devoted follower of the Lord whom God gave a vision, and he asked exactly those questions to the Lord. I have wanted to teach out of this book for a long time in the middle of 2020, the middle of July, the middle of a global pandemic, the middle of all the things going on in our country right now and all the uncertainty. It seems like the perfect time to crack open God's word and see what God said because in a vision that Habakkuk had, not only was he able to ask those questions of God, but God answered him. And so today and for the next couple of weeks after this, we're going to be spending some time in the short little book of prophecy, the book of Habakkuk, and asking God those very same questions and seeing what he says to us. You're going to be greatly encouraged. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice, and you want us to bring our problems and our trials and our sorrows to you, even our complaints. And so today, Lord, we come to you in the middle of a global pandemic, and Lord, the questions that Habakkuk asked are our questions. Lord, why aren't you doing something about this? Lord, what's going on? And Father, you love it when your children come to you and ask you. But Lord, we need to be ready for your answers. And so today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and you'll open our minds to some of the wonderful truths tucked away in your Bible in a marvelous book of prophecy. It was a recording of a vision you gave to Habakkuk. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our time together. Move me out of the way and say whatever you want said to us today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. The vision that Habakkuk received, he received about 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And he had come to God because he was living at a time when the nation of Judah, where he lived, it was experiencing a sharp decline uh, in it was becoming corrupt, it was filled with violence, and there was spiritual decline everywhere. Uh, Habakkuk had lived during the time when good King Josiah had reigned for about 30 years. He brought a lot of spiritual reform. The country was prospering, doing great. But then Josiah got killed in a battle with the Egyptians, and his wicked son took over after he died, and everything went downhill. And so one day, Habakkuk receives a vision where he is standing in the presence of the Lord, and Habakkuk complains about it. Here's what he said. This is from Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. He said, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't answer, and you don't listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. And Habakkuk just had a belly full of it. It hadn't been that way during Josiah and all the years that he reigned. But now, man, the country was falling apart. And Judah, these were the people of God. And Habakkuk goes, God, why aren't you fixing this? 
Now, before I tell you how the Lord answered, I just want to remind us of a couple of things that Habakkuk is known as a book of lament in the Bible. And there are many passages in the Bible that are considered laments. A lament is where you come to God and you express deep grief or sorrow or you have a complaint. There are laments when people are angry. There are laments when people are afraid. There are laments when people are repenting. There are laments when people are just completely beside themselves in depression and they're overcome. And in each and every one of those passages, people are never rebuked for that. In fact, the Lord wants us to come to him and to tell him when our hearts are heavy. It's not as if he doesn't know. Listen to Psalm 6.3. David said, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? David wanted an answer to his prayer. In fact, over and over again, David, a man after God's own heart, he would cry out to God. Listen to um, Psalm 142. David said, I cry to the Lord and I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one's going to help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. But then I pray to you, Lord, and I say, you are my place of refuge. You're all I really want. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. And the godly will crowd around me, for you are so good to me. I mean, God wants us to bring our complaints to him. He longs for that. But the question is, are we really willing to do that? Every now and then I have people come to me and they're frustrated with their job, they're frustrated with their situation in their community or frustrated at home, and they go, I just wish I could talk to God about it. And I go, oh, you can. And they go, I can't tell God I'm upset. What will he think of that? <laughs> He's well-informed. He wouldn't be surprised and it's good if we can get it off our chest and we'll read over Psalm 142. We'll read some of the other Psalms of David where he cries out to the Lord and says, Lord, I want justice. Lord, I want help. Lord, I messed up and I don't know where to turn. And it brings so much comfort and healing. I hope today if you've been stressed out and worried in the middle of 2020 and you don't know where to turn, I hope you'll find comfort in the fact that God loves it when his people come to him. Because he knows where we are. He loves us. He knows that we don't understand the future. And he's very patient and kind and good. Well, Habakkuk made this complaint. But what's so interesting is, is that in this vision, not only did he stand in God's presence and complain, but God responded. I mean, God responded. And when he gave him a response, it blew him away. God's answer shocked him, and it confounded him. He said, God, there's so much going wrong in the country. We're your people. You've got to be fixing this. Where are you? Why aren't you doing something? And the Lord told him, I am doing something. In fact, this is Habakkuk 1, verse 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, Habakkuk. Look around and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. So Habakkuk, you've asked a big question. We'll get ready for a big answer. And you better take a step back because you're concerned only about what's going on in your nation 
Well, I want you to look around at all the other nations of the world too because I'm the God of the whole world. And he said, Habakkuk, when I tell you this, you're not going to believe it. It's going to happen in your own lifetime, but you wouldn't believe it even if somebody told you. And I want to stop for just a second there is that one of the reasons that God doesn't tell us more about the future is because we wouldn't believe him anyway. I mean, many times we say, God, how come you're not doing something? God, I demand an explanation. Tell me what's going to happen. What's going down? How come he doesn't answer? Well, all throughout Scripture, we find time after time after time where God sent a prophet or an angelic visitation or Jesus himself told people something was going to happen. People didn't believe it. At Easter time, we talk about uh, Peter, uh, the lead disciple, and how he loved the Lord. And he certainly did. But it's well known to all of us who've been around church uh, as we've grown up that uh, the night before Jesus was crucified, they just had the Last Supper together, and Jesus gathered his disciples together, and he told them what was going to happen, that he was going to be crucified. And um, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to desert you either, Jesus. But they all did. In fact, the next morning when the rooster crowed, Peter had denied him three times. And as soon as he heard the rooster crow, he ran off and wept bitterly. Jesus had told him not even eight hours before exactly what was going to happen. And Peter didn't believe it. He denied it completely. And that's why when God answers Habakkuk's complaint, he says, Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your complaint. But it's going to involve more of the world than you've ever considered. And when I give you my answer, you're going to be shocked by it, and you're not going to accept it. You won't believe it. And so I think it's terribly important whenever we talk about questions like, God, why are you not solving this? Or what are you doing? How come you're not bringing an answer around? It's important to remember that God is working in the lives of billions of people simultaneously all around the world. And if he explained to us exactly what he was doing, we probably wouldn't believe him anyway. So he told Habakkuk, I'm raising up the Babylonians. Now they're a cruel and violent people. And they're going to march across the world and conquer other lands. And that was going to include Judah, the place where Habakkuk lived. They're notorious for their cruelty. They do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs. They're fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes, and they scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile up ramps of earth against their walls, and then they capture the city. They sweep past like the wind, and they're gone, but they're deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. And God told Habakkuk, you're worried about all the wickedness you see in your country and all these wicked leaders who've come to power, and they don't care anything about me? Well, their punishment is coming. I mean, for centuries, God had sent his prophets to his people, he told them, if you 
keep turning away from me. If you reject me and chase after other gods, you reject me and chase after just making money and having collecting lots of wealth and having lots of pleasure in this world, I'm going to allow other nations to come and conquer you and take you away. He had warned them over and over again. He'd sent prophet after prophet after prophet. Some had been stoned and some had been beaten. All of them had been rejected, almost all of them. And now the time of judgment had come. And Habakkuk, I mean, if we saw his face, he'd probably put his hand over his mouth. It's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, God, I want you to deal with the problem, but I didn't want that. I mean, this was way bigger than he had thought. And so as the story goes on, Habakkuk comes back to God again. And he says, oh, Lord, my God, you're the Holy One. You're eternal, and surely you don't plan to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you've sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you're pure, and you can't stand the sight of evil. Will you just wink at their treachery? Should you be silent? Will the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? I mean, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I know we're bad, and I was complaining to you that we got corruption in our society, but the Babylonians, I mean, Habakkuk knew about them. He said, these guys are really bad, Lord. Surely you're not going to use them. This was the same guy who just a few minutes earlier and said, God, how come you're not doing anything? And then when God says, well, I am doing something, but you're not going to like it. And he says, you're right. I don't like this at all. And that brings up another reason why God doesn't tell us more about the future. Because if he did, we probably wouldn't approve of his methods or his plans. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 say this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, God's ways aren't like our ways. And if he tries to explain stuff to us, we're just probably not going to get it. Another incident with Peter had happened months earlier. This is from Matthew 16. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he'd suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, that he'd be killed, but on the third day he'd be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Jesus came into our world to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin that we could never pay. And when he told Peter that's what he came to do and that he was going to die a painful, horrible death on the cross, Peter said, I'm not going to let that happen. That's wrong. And Jesus said, you're looking at this all wrong. You're looking at this the way the devil looks at things. And so sometimes when we ask, why of God? God, why aren't you doing more? Well, he is doing things, but he can't tell us what he's doing because we just wouldn't approve of his methods or his plans. I mean, Peter didn't. In my own life, I've shared before that uh, 
I was in love with a girl in college. Uh, this was long before I met Debbie. And I thought I was going to marry her. My parents thought I was going to marry her. Her parents thought I was going to marry her. Everybody thought I was going to marry her except for her. <laughs> she thought she was going to marry another guy, and she did. And uh, when she broke up with me, I mean, it was a country and western song. She took my heart and stomped that sucker flat. I mean, she was just mean and rude, and it was painful. And I was so angry about it. And I remember somebody came up to me right then. I had given my heart to Christ, and I had even dated this girl. We went to Bible studies together in college and things. And, uh, and so there was a friend of mine, a Christian friend, and they had came to remind me that I could trust God, that God was going to work in this, and someday I'd meet somebody better and, and not to give up hope and all these things. But I came to them, and I, but I countered them, and I said, no, the way she broke up with me, she was mean and rude, and she was. I mean, her parents even apologized to me. Her brother came to see me and apologized on behalf of his sister for how mean she'd been. I mean, it was that kind of thing. And uh, I said, you know, because this was handled so poorly and it was done so wrongly, God can't look at things like that. It was wrong. Just like Habakkuk saying, Lord, are you going to just wink at treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? And I probably didn't know that passage, but I would have quoted that. It was months before I was willing to surrender that to the Lord and go, Lord, maybe you have a bigger plan. But in my limited scope at the time, I was going, if this wasn't handled right and if this was done wrong, I know God doesn't like sin, so he couldn't have possibly used this. He can't possibly use this painful situation for anything good. And now looking back decades later, I see how wrong I was. But just like Habakkuk, I need to take a step back. See things from God's perspective. And maybe you do too, right here in the middle of July, the middle of 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, and we're going, God, I don't like where everything's going. I, I don't understand everything. Why aren't you fixing this? And I think it's a helpful reminder for all of us to look at what God told Habakkuk. He said, I'm, I am working. But if I try to explain this to you, it's going to blow your mind. You're not even going to believe me. I mean, if God would have explained to me that I would meet my wife years later and all these things, I just wouldn't have even believed it. Because some people tried to help me understand that. And I just rejected it out of hand. God's ways aren't our ways. They're better. And Habakkuk was coming to terms with that. Now, it's real important here to remind us also that we need to trust God even we, when we don't understand God. We need to trust him even when we don't understand him. I mean, a relationship with Jesus is how we define this because that's exactly what it is. It's not just belief in a, some doctrinal principles that make up a, what Christianity is all about. It's a personal relationship with Christ where I trust him. Jesus told his disciples, he said, look, in this world you're going to have many trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You believe in God? Believe also in me. We need to trust him. Listen to some scriptures from the Old Testament as well as the New. 
Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Because he's a righteous guide, and he's a good guide, and he knows the best pathway for our lives, even if it looks like he's taking us the wrong way. For we live by believing and not by seeing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by believing and not by seeing. We walk by faith, not by sight. And this is where faith comes in. It means I'm going to trust God even when I don't know where he's taking me. And the longer I live, the more I can see with the benefit of hindsight, because it's always 2020. I can see how good God has been to me when at the time I thought he was taking me completely the wrong way. We walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. And don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen and hallelujah to that. I don't have to go borrow a cup of worry from tomorrow today. I've got enough problems today. And the Lord says, will you just trust me? Seek me first. I'll take care of everything you need. Trust me, not your circumstances. In the book of Job, when Job had lost everything, he confessed this. He said, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, I will trust him. Him. I mean, this is what the devil wants to destroy in my life and your life, our confidence in God, that he's a good God. This is what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. And he came up to Eve and said, did God really say you can't eat from any of the fruit on the trees here? This is a beautiful place. And Eve said, well, no, it's just that tree in the center of the garden. Oh, God's holding out on you, Eve. He knows if you eat of that, you'll be just like him. Go ahead and eat. Look how great it is. You can't trust God. Trust what you see. And all throughout Scripture, the Lord keeps reminding us, no, trust me and not what you see. Habakkuk, if I'm going to explain to you what I'm doing in your nation, you have to understand what I'm doing in this world, and it's far beyond anything you'd ever imagine. So I'm going to give you an answer. I mean, that's what's so amazing about this story of Habakkuk and the vision he had, and why it's recorded in Scripture. Because God actually answers him. He doesn't get mad at him for complaining. He just explains that, Habakkuk, you're out of your depth here. I mean, imagine what would happen if we brought our complaints to God in prayer and we heard a voice out loud, John, I'm going to answer that one. When I first started in ministry, I had something similar to that happen. I was working with an outreach ministry to high school kids in Houston, Texas called Young Life. And we had a, a very ambitious summer plan with lots of summer camps for kids. And I had hired an assistant to work with the girls. I was working with the boys. And uh, she was phenomenal. And uh, every summer, Young Life sends tens of thousands of kids to summer camps. And so all the staff people rotate in and volunteer for a month at one of the camps. Well, they were short of female leadership, and she was a strong leader, so they brought her back a second month 
they asked if she could have her back a second month, which really messed up all of our plans at our local ministry there in Houston. And I grumbled and complained about it, and somehow my complaints floated all the way up to the national leadership that ran these camps. And so one of the national leaders came to my office one day in Houston. I was 25 at the time. I'd been working for Young Life for a whole year. (laughs) And he came to my office and knocked on the door, and he said, John, I heard that you have a problem with the way I've been running these summer camps, and I asked for your assistant to come help me. You've been grumbling and complaining about that, and so I'd like to address some of your concerns. I had not expected that answer. And he helped me understand things from a nationwide vision that I had never grasped before. He said, John, how come you let this happen if it's bothered you so much? And I said, well, I'm new here and I'm younger and everybody told me that I just needed to go along with the system. He said, you mean you didn't like the idea from the beginning and you agreed to something just because I had asked for it? And I said, well, yeah, everybody told me that you were kind of like really a straight shooter and that I needed to go along with you. And he goes, well, I am a straight shooter and so I'm going to give you a piece of advice. If your conscience is uneasy about something, then don't ever agree to it. This is a Christian ministry. We follow the Lord here. Remember that. I haven't forgotten it. There's a lot more in the vision to Habakkuk. But where I want to stop for us today is this is that God wants us to come to Him with all our complaints. That's why all those laments are written in Scripture. But he wants us to come with an open mind and an open heart and be willing to take a step back. Because when he reveals things to us, he's going to change our whole perspective. And some of the plans that he has may not make a lick of sense to us, but he's going to ask us to trust him anyway. So today, if you've been struggling with, where is all this going? I want to pray with you right now and ask God to help us trust him more and to give us his perspective. That's what he wants. He's a good God, a good Father, and we can trust him. Heavenly Father, I just pray that uh, today, Lord, you have reminded us what you reminded Habakkuk of. I am working. I just can't explain the whole thing to you. It wouldn't make any sense to you. If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And you probably wouldn't approve of what I'm doing. And so, God, we're going to trust you now. We're going to trust that in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of all the struggles we're going through in this nation, in the middle of all the questions that remain unanswered, Lord, you are working. And, Lord, we open our hearts to you now, and we open up our minds to you. And, Lord, wherever we need to take a step back, help us take a step back. Wherever we need to lift our gaze, We want to lift our gaze. We trust you. Forgive us, Lord, for our grumbling and complaining. Forgive us for doubting you. Father, our thoughts are not your thoughts. Our ways aren't even close to your ways. Lord, help us to walk by faith and not by sight. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. Help us keep our eyes focused on you and grant us peace. You'll show us what to do. Jesus said so. Help us to live for today 
and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. In the name of Christ we pray. In the strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. I mean, everything I talked about today is why we worship God. Because He understands things we don't understand. He can see things we can't see yet. He makes sense of all the stuff from the past as well as the future. And He can turn even the hard things in our life into good things. That's how amazing He is. And that's why we're going to sing His praises right now.